0: Hi, this is Dean Casanova from Revolution Safe. You're listening to Richie on Focus on Metal.
1: Hey, Metalheads, Scott Thompson here, giving you another dose of Focus on Metal. It's kind of an odd little week this week. Official release date for this episode being uh, September 25th. And there's a lot of great albums that are coming out on September 29th. And we've got a lot of audio to support those albums. But, you know, we like to always play several cuts off the albums and stuff when we're discussing them. So we're kind of in this little weird spot this week where... We've got audio we'd love to play, but at the same time, we really can't back it up with a lot of good audio samples for you guys. And uh, why is that, you ask? Well... You know, the way that the whole licensing thing works is that when they're playing us on internet radio, you really can't play anything on there that hasn't been released yet. Or at least you're not supposed to. And you know what? We've had great support from internet radio all these years. So why would we screw with those guys' reputation and uh, their peace of mind by doing something like that? So I looked at what we did have on hand already that was ready to roll, and I came up with this. No,
2: we're not going to fucking do Stonehenge.
1: As you heard at the beginning of the show, uh Dean Castronovo. That's right, we're going to... Uh, play a dean castronovo interview this week and yep the rev saints album isn't ready to come out yet but you know what i can kind of cheat a little bit because they did release a couple of singles so that means i can actually play at least one if not two samples off of the rev saints album without causing anybody grief and i get to play you a great interview that richie did with dean castronovo and how am i going to fill up the rest of the time well i'm glad you asked because uh, as you've known in the last couple of weeks, we really haven't played much for track of the week. We've had lots of, uh, lots of guests on, lots of audio to play, lots of discussion between Richie and myself. So we're a little bit behind with a lot of great metal that we'd like you guys to discover out there. So this week, half the show is actually going to be a music discovery episode. Playing some great tracks from uh, different labels that we work with. Getting you to find out about some great new releases that are out there. So that is the plan this week. Going to roll that Dean Castronovo interview and then uh, do some mighty metal music discovery. But first, how about a track of the week? So as many of you know, I am a massive Primal Fear fan and do out, uh, well, not soon more like November 10th is uh their brand new compilation it's called Best of Fear and talking about 27 tracks of great primal fear music including four new songs uh, Area 16 Predator If Looks Could Kill and uh Thrill of Speed but also uh they're doing uh they've got a Born with a Broken Heart remix with Live Christine on there so not just your usual best of compilation got a couple new things in there few other new versions of songs as well. And this one comprises stuff all over the last 10 years worth of releases, including uh, New Religion, uh, 16-6, Unbreakable, Delivering the Black, and of course, Rule Breaker. So, I think excellent two-CD compilation, and if you're a primal fear completist like me, then you just gotta get it. But hey, you're getting four new songs as well, so you can't really complain about that. And I know I heard you you say in November 10th, that's right, but they did release a single, and that would be the single If Looks Could Kill, and in this case, this is a cover version of a classic heart song. What's even interesting is that, uh, you know, being a massive primal fear fan— I didn't even know that uh, this thing was coming out yet. But another metalhead buddy of mine that knows I'm a big Primal Fear guy, he actually asked me if I'd seen this thing yet. And uh, I was like, nope, I, I, I didn't even know they were doing one. And then I went back and read my emails. And if I had read my emails ahead of time, I would have been a little bit ahead of him. But uh, thanks for the heads up there, Gordon, for letting me know this one was coming down the metal pike at us. So track of the week this week off of Primal Fears, Best of Fear, the uh, classic heart song. If looks could kill... track of the week with some primal fear and as far as i know no real uh, deluxe editions or anything coming out for that one just the uh, the cd or you uh, know of course obviously mp3s and also a vinyl version of that other than that i've heard nothing about any other kind of special editions for that one so up next is our guest this week dean castronovo and uh, he is coming on this week to talk about the brand new Revolution Saints album, Light in the Dark. And of course, since uh, Richie's doing the interview, he also delves into a lot of uh, Dean Castronovo history, and uh, Dean has done quite a lot of stuff. He's been with Wild Dogs, Tony McAlpine, Cacophony, worked with Marty Friedman on Dragon's Kiss, obviously Bad English, Hardline. He was on uh, Ozzy Osbourne's uh, 95 album, Osmosis, worked with Geezer Butler and GZR, both on uh, plastic planet black science filled in for a social distortion album he's uh, also worked on a whole album obviously uh what five six different journey albums the guy's been on in uh soul circus work with paul rogers yeah even was uh on a fear factory album as well and if that one sounds a little odd to you once you hear dean talk all about his love of metal especially thrash metal then all that will uh pretty much come into context for you. But as I mentioned, the main crux of why Dean is coming on is for the uh, second Rev Saints album called A Light in the Dark. That one comes out in a few weeks on October 13th. And that one will have a couple of different versions, including a uh, box set one and a deluxe edition. And if you want that box set, I would uh, highly recommend that you pre-order that now so uh besides the regular album on there there's also another four bonus tracks that are only going to be on the uh, box set and the deluxe edition and there's also a bonus dvd and a poster and a a t-shirt just a large size on the t-shirt but a t-shirt nonetheless so all kinds of stuff in the box set but again only 500 copies of that so if you want it i would highly recommend you go out and you get that now, and you can get that directly from Frontiers. That is uh Frontiers.shop. So, for the debut Rev Saints album, we had our buddy Doug Aldrich coming on and gave us a great interview talking about that and a lot of other cool things. Because, of course, like Dean, Doug is uh, involved in a million and two things as well. But this time along, we uh we've had Dean come on and uh, Richie did a great interview with him. and I think I'm gonna roll that right now.
0: Good
3: morning, morning, Dean. How are you, Richie? How are you, buddy? I'm all right. Your phone working today? <laughs>
0: yes, thank God, dude.
3: Yeah, so how you doing this morning? you okay?
0: Really good, man. I'm ha- I had my coffee, and now I'm drinking my Coca-Cola in the morning, having a cigarette, ready to talk to you, brother. Excellent, excellent.
3: So we might as well, we have just jumped straight into it? Yeah, let's still- So I have on the phone uh, Dean Castronovo from uh, Revolution Saints, who's got the new album coming out next month, Light in the Dark. Um, so how are you doing today, Dean?
0: Doing awesome, my friends. It's like waking up and having a smoking and a Coca-Cola, and I'm ready to go.
3: <laughs> okay, and I hope the weather is good. <laughs>
0: you know what? Actually, it rained last night. It's the first time it's raining. I don't know, two, three months, literally.
3: Yeah. So it's yeah.
0: nice. <laughs> at, least,
3: at least you're not in Florida.
0: <laughs> oh, dude, no kidding. Man, God bless those people, man. Oh, yeah. not good.
3: Yeah, they got to get out not of there. Good. Yeah. Yeah, but,
0: not good at all.
3: Yeah, so one of the interviews I read recently, uh, Doug said that you were in a great place in your life right now. Yes, sir. Um,
0: yeah, no, things are good. Go ahead, go ahead, man. Hello. Yeah, you there? Oh, I thought I lost you. No, it's, it's been great, dude. You know, I got over um, two years sobriety now. Two years. Let me see. Two years, two weeks. Two years, two months, two weeks today. That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, yeah, I got a little app that tells me what you know, how many days I got and stuff. It's awesome. So things are real good, man. And I'm ready to go back to work and play. Do what I love. I miss it. two years is a long time to be off.
3: Yeah, are you someone that came, were you very religious when you were growing up?
0: You know, I was brought up Catholic, and then uh, I became a Christian in, gosh, 1986, I think. It was doing really good, everything was great, and um, yeah, then just the world started kicking me in the butt, and I wanted to be famous, and I wanted money, and I wanted stardom, and I lost everything important. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just everything got sucked right out of me, so... You know, thank God, I'm home now. I'm sober. I got my family, which is the most important thing in the world now. I know it. I mean, my par- my priorities have changed from you know being a rock star and then having the family. Thank God and sobriety at the bottom. Now it's it's been reversed. Yeah, yeah. You we know, got <laughs> and and the family second, and my career. When it happens, it happens. You know.
3: Yeah, and was there was there was there a priest or someone close to you that that's helped you get back to where you are now?
0: Yeah, I've got a, I had a couple of people I had. To, John Kane, obviously, and Paula White, they helped me out in the very beginning. They actually brought me down to their church and let me play and kind of helped me get restored, which was really good. And I've always, I've got two pastors here in Salem, where I live, that I meet with on a probably a, at least a weekly or two-week basis, and that's my pastor, uh, J.D. Henderson, and my other pastor, Bruce Stepanek. So, yeah, I've got a real tight-knit organization, bro, and it's all about accountability and and
3: uh, keeping me on track, and it's great. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So I want to want to talk to you a little bit about the history you had with, with uh, Doug and Jack. How far back does that go?
0: Well, with Jack, it goes back to 1983 or 84. Uh, the lighting director for Night Ranger was um, a manager, but he managed bands, and he managed the band I was in called Wild Dogs. And that's how I met Jack. Jack came down to the studio to listen to us record, and freaked out. He loved it, you know, for metal. He was like, this, this stuff is stellar. So he loved it. So we got, you know, we always kept in contact, Jack and I. And then, you know, uh, Doug, it was on the White Snake Tour with Journey in Europe that I met Doug. And I, you know, I knew he had a couple tattoos. I said, dude, I've got a tattoo. I just coming up to my hotel room in Sheffield. Do you want to get a tattoo? And he said, yeah, yeah. So he came up and got a tattoo of his son's uh name on his arm and yeah so that's how we hit it off man so it was like a no-brainer when we all came together it was just like we have chemistry this is going to be a blast let's just go have fun it yeah. came out great
3: yeah now yeah. Doug, when i had dug on for the first record he said it started mm-hmm. as a solo project and then went to a band name and um, mm-hmm. was that your idea or was it frontiers
0: no. You know, it it was funny. We were all talking about it, and I was like, "This, is, this isn't really a solo record, you guys. For me, I mean, I don't do solo records. Let's, let's make it like a band. Let's do a band thing." You know, this is and and they were going to call it. The label was going to call it Pleasure Dome, and we put a stop to that quick.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah,
0: no, we're not calling it Pleasure Dome. Sorry, that ain't going to happen. So Doug came up or Jack came up with Revolution Saint, and I loved it. I mean, that's the coolest name ever. So yeah, it was nice.
3: Yeah, did, did are you were you um you were obviously happy with that? Were you feeling the pressure having it on? Would you have felt a lot of pressure having it under your name?
0: You know, back then I was still in journey, so there wasn't so much pressure. I was still working, and you know, I still had my 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 day job, so to speak. So, you know, it is just a side project for me to have fun with, and now it's turned into you know my priority. So. You know, yeah, definitely things have, have, have changed. But, you know, there is pressure. Of course there is. I mean, I, you know, being a front man, oh, yeah, okay. That's a little nerve wracking. It ain't easy. So, you know, behind the drums, all day long I can sing. But, yeah, put me up front, it's a little scary, a little daunting. So, yeah, yeah. I'm a little nervous.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I want to talk about the show you did in Milan. And when I had Joel Lynn Turner on a few years ago, he was in a band on Frontiers called Rated X. And that was, uh-huh. it was him, it was Carmine Napasi. Um, it was Tony Franklin and Carol Cochran, and they hadn't uh-huh. played a show at the time. And uh-huh. Joe said to me that it never really becomes a band until it plays its first show. Would you agree, agree with that?
0: Totally. I mean, you know, you can sit in the studio all day long, and, you know, you can write songs in a basement all day long. But until you've got, you know, the guys that you like playing with together in a room, and the chemistry is right, yeah, dude, it's never a... It's a side project until that, that band plays. Then it becomes a band. Yeah. I agree with children, Turner, on that, totally.
3: Yeah, so tell me all about the show that you played in Milan, how how, how that came uh, about.
0: Well, you know, we were I was over there recording for Revolution um, Days, doing the second record. So, you know, Serafina said, hey, we want you to do this Milan test, can you guys do this? And this, you know, Frontier Test, I said, sure, I mean, we're here, why not do it? So we went in, rehearsed for about a week, and then um, while we were in between writing songs. So we were writing songs, recording songs getting ready for this show and then we did the show and it was incredible i mean yeah we were all a little nervous but it was a blast just a blast
3: yeah now when i had dug on he said that he'd actually played together a little while back somewhere in the u.s and he said it was phenomenal as well so he'd already oh, played yeah. in the room
0: yeah no he's he's a monster D- doug is just yeah you know there's there's a few out there that have his thing and he's he's just got that thing he's a badass <laughs>
3: yeah 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 so how did you how did you go f- go around picking the songs for the set in milan like why did you not do a whole set of revolution stand songs yeah we did you know we did as many as we could off the first record obviously we
0: couldn't do anything off the new record but uh, we knew what the strongest songs were on
3: that record and
0: the ones that we didn't like the kept you know away and uh replaced them with like a damn yankee song because jack was in damn yankees of course and you know, uh, a white snake tune. So we did some stuff like that, you know, and kind of changed it up a little bit.
3: Yeah. Now, you did Higher Place, and I don't think you've yeah. ever sang that with Journey, have you?
0: Yeah, you know, I used to sing it uh, live. I, there's a part in the key section that I'm doing the really, really high part with Steve in the studio. So I would do it live like that, but I never sang it live all the way through, no. Yeah. It was interesting. It was really cool, though.
3: Yeah, so l- let me get into the new album. Um Frontiers are very hands-on with the first one, with the songwriting and the way it sounded. Did you guys have more of a say in this one?
0: Yeah. I, I, Doug definitely had more of a say as far as the writing. Alessandro had a basic idea of the songs again, like the first record, but this time Doug took it and said, you know what, I'm going to change some stuff around because I don't, I don't like this and I don't like that. And he, he would change it and make it his own, and it came out incredible. And of course, me, as far as lyrics, the lyrics were already done again. You know, they did everything... It was like, okay. So I took the lyrics that he had, that Alessandro had, and tried to, you know, how do you put it? Make it sound like it would be me talking instead of him talking, you know? You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. So, it, you know, we had a lot more input on this one, but it's still very similar to the last record, you know? It's, the songs were pretty much already done, except for Doug going in and fixing stuff. So it was, you know, pretty much like the last record.
3: Yeah. Now, when it comes to the demos that you that that, that Alessandro gives you,
0: what sort of uh, drums
3: are on the demos for you to play around Oh, with? They're,
0: they're really straightforward, man. It's just like maybe a two-and-four beat just so he can get the idea across. So, you know, it's just like... You know, so i got to fix it and make it cool.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> make it sound not so much like a drum machine,
3: you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I've had the album now a day or two, and... Besides um, the two singles that have been out there, the, 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 the song I love is "Right On." That's a real rocker.
0: Awesome, dude! You know I love that one too. We did that song vocally in one take. Literally, we went through it in one take. Went back and fixed a few things, but it was bad. It came out. I mean, I went in. I was like, I'm ready to sing this. I just know this song. I just feel this song, and boom! <laughs> this is a cool tune, bro. Yeah. Very cool. And that we wanted something a little upbeat like that on this. You know?
3: Yeah. I think this, that's probably more upbeat than anything on the first record. Oh, yeah, totally, Bob.
0: This is definitely, it's definitely a darker record, you know, and I don't think we did that purpose, on purpose, but, you know, with what was going on in my life at the time, it was just, it was inevitable that I was going to come out and write stuff about it. I mean, it just, it just happened. So, Alessandro and I, we knew that, you know, he knew what I was going through. Obviously, I knew what I was going through, and we, we collaborated as much as we could to get the best leadership we could on the record.
3: Yeah, and the other track I love on it is uh, "Take You Down."
0: Take You Down. What do you think of "Falling Apart"? I want your dead honest opinion. Love be it. honest. Love it. Do you really? Yeah. See my my Beyonce thinks that's going to be a massive hit. And me and Jack, when we first heard it, bro, well, we were like, "Yeah, I don't know, man. I, it's not so great." I mean, we and now it's everybody loves the song. And I'm like, oh god, maybe yeah. we missed it here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> when I had dug on for the first first record. I, just, yeah. I was raving to him about to mend a broken heart, and it was buried in the uh, back of the album, and I said, that is melodic rock perfection.
0: Yeah, I agree, dude. I loved that song. That's a bad tune, and I think we played that in Milan. Um, I think we did. I think we did. But, yeah, was, I love that tune. There's a lot of stuff on that first record that I love.
3: Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you alluded there a few minutes ago to standing in front of the drum kit holding a microphone. How nerve-wracking is that?
0: <laughs> well, dude, when you've never done it before in your life, extremely. <laughs> I was the lawn. People were coming back and well wishing and stuff, and I was literally staring into space. Like, ah, nice, nice to see you again. I'm just kind of oh, okay. Focus so back in. What am I going to do here? You know. So it was. I. You know, what's funny is I barely remember going on stage. I barely remember being out in the front. It's almost like I blacked out. I just went on autopilot, man, because I don't remember a lot of what happened. It just went by so darn fast. But uh yeah, it was I think I was pretty dang nervous. I stayed behind the drum kit for the first four songs and then came out and I figured, Okay, if I'm gonna get crucified, this is the time to do it. Crucify me folks and they were cool. <laughs> it was good, man.
3: Yeah, well, when you when you when you look at some of the front men that have been standing in front of you, I'm sure you've got good pointers some of those guys over the years on how to do it. Oh man. yeah.
0: Oh totally going totally. totally. You know?
3: <laughs> Yeah, so if you do a run of shows on this, for promoting this, and I hope you do, how hard is yeah. that going to be for you to, like, drum and sing for practically all of the set?
0: Well, you know, I, I used to do it with Journey. I mean, I sang all the high stuff on the backgrounds, everything. So, you know, basically, when we were playing, I mean, I was singing throughout the entire night. Backgrounds, of course, not not the bleed uh, parts, but, you know, I was singing all night long, so I, it's pretty easy for me and second nature to be behind the kit and sing now you know after 17 years of journey and then before that when i was a little kid and i was singing it that's easy you know it's getting out in front that's you know you're laid bare you know what i mean you're laid naked and, and it's just you and a mic
3: scary <laughs> yeah. so what do you think do you think you're, you're going to get a drummer to play a couple of songs in the set so you can go out front or how's that going to work yes,
0: we've got we've got uh, actually my drum tech of 11 years Steve Toomey who's actually still working with Journey with Steve Smith um, he's an amazing drummer and he's watched me for 10 years now watching my licks and watching how I approach stuff so he's got an extremely similar style to me he knows all my chops he knows how I do them. he knows how I execute so he's going to come up and play drums and I'm going to come out and play he's a monster drummer man
3: excellent excellent how close, yeah. <laughs> how, how close did you get on the first album to actually doing some shows what's that now How close did you get to actually doing some shows on the first record?
0: Oh, we had, you know, we had some offers from Japan, uh, big offers. And um, we were going to do them. We were just trying to figure out the scheduling. And then, you know, my incident happened and everything just kind of flew by the wayside. So, you know, now it's uh, time to pick it up and and give it a shot, you know? yeah,
3: Excellent. So I just got a couple of questions, Dean, about some of the albums you played on in the past before I leave you go. Now, an album album that I've loved for years is... Backlash, Bad English.
0: Nah, okay. you too, bro. I'm with you. I'm um, with you.
3: When I remember picking that up and reading the liner notes. And it was the, yeah. a lot of the guys were writing the epitaph of the band in the liner notes. Was that a difficult oh, totally album too. to record?
0: It was extremely difficult. You know, um, at that point, the tensions between everybody, <laughs> except for me and Ricky. Me and Ricky Pills just kind of sit there, looked, watched everything go down. It was, you know, to see it die like that to have your first major gig in a band like that, you know? And that was my first major gig. So, you know, we do the second record and it just falls apart. And I was just in shock. Like, this is what really happens in the music industry. I mean, I didn't know. I was 23 years old. I had no clue what, what went down, you know? Uh-huh. Then I found out later, you know, it was, it was arguing over publishing is what brought the band down. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Just split it evenly and let's go on the road, dumbasses. <laughs> you know what I mean?
3: <laughs> I, I prefer that. You know what art. real
0: bands do, like Van Halen does, you know? One yeah. of four ways and we all roll a merrily along, you know?
3: Yeah, but I prefer yeah. that to the debut. What's that? I prefer that album to the debut album.
0: You know what? I I think it's, there's some songs on there like um, Make Love Last is one of my favorites, uh, Savage Blue. Huge. I love the drum beats on those songs. And they were really open, and they were just beautiful ballads, you know? Yeah. John had his finest. John made it his finest.
3: Yeah, Time Stood Still is a brilliant song.
0: That's a, that was Ricky Phillips' tune, too, man. We yeah. were like, I loved it. And the rest of them was like, oh, not sure, not sure. Thank God it made it on the record.
3: Thank yeah. God.
0: Ricky, Ricky had a, a shit kit. Said, Look, what's going on there. <laughs> so, yeah.
3: Ron, ne- cool. Ron, Ron Nevison had to be like a sus you know, you had to... What, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, uh, referee? psycho. <laughs> yeah, a, I'm trying to think of a psycho something, but referee, yeah. Yeah,
0: he, dude, he was. It was, it was tense in the studio. I remember I would do my drum tracks. We would do a song a day. I'd do my drum track, I'd right, get it done in one or two takes, and I would be gone. You know, I'd just go back to my, my apartment in LA. Uh, and those guys would work the rest of the stuff out. And I guess from what I heard, it, there was some, there was some tension. Not, you know, I, uh, Not pretty, girl. Not pretty. Let's put it that way. I never witnessed it, but I heard about it. It was like, wow, crazy. Poor Ron. (laughs)
3: You didn't tour on that, did you?
0: No. Nope. We did a couple of videos, and uh, that band split up, and Neil and I went on to do uh, Hardline and then Paul Rogers.
3: Yeah, that's right. The other album I want to ask you about is um, Ozzy's album, Osmosis. No secret that Ozzy didn't get on with Michael Beanhorn, the producer. Uh, well, how did right. you get on with him? Did you have a good relationship with him?
0: Um, at first, no. No, he wanted to replace me. He didn't like the way I played drums uh, when we were in rehearsals. And he was like, I'm going to get jack irons, jack irons, jack irons. That's all he kept saying. And Ozzy was like, Dean's my drummer. Fucking, you're using him. And that was it. So Beinehorn shut his mouth. I did my tracks. And then after that, Beinehorn would call me. For all these other sessions, he had me, you know, uh, do Social Distortion for him, you know. And then he had me do uh, the whole record for him, you know. Those are a couple, you know, big records, you know, for yeah. both those bands. So, you know, he really helped me out a lot. Got me some really cool kicks. So, pretty happy about that, man. Michael's, Michael's a genius.
3: Yeah, yeah. And what's the favorite Jerry record that you played on? Oh, gosh. I'm going to t- tell you mine. Mine is Eclipse.
0: Yeah. Eclipse, you know, that's you. I'm, I'm more of a right Revelation guy. I mean, to me, Revelation sounded more like Journey, only you know, revitalized. Where, where Eclipse to me was a little darker for, for my taste. For what Journey, you, you know, is in my book. Yeah. But that was that's me. You know, I, I like the the poppy, cookie, you know, whatever. That's that's my thing.
3: Yeah. And tell me about working with Kevin Shirley. What makes him a great producer?
0: You know, <laughs> it's great. When we were in the studio, you know, you have three different ideas of what a drum beat should be. It's funny. So John John Kane's going, can you play it like this? And then Neil would take me and say, like, no, dude, you need to play it like this, right? And then I'd go to Kevin go, bro, what do you want me to play? Like, You're the producer. If I don't do what you tell me, we're going to be here all night. What do you want me to do? He goes, just play this. Done. <laughs> Get it done in one or two takes and head out again. Yeah,
3: he's,
0: <laughs> Kevin's great. He's very professional. He doesn't mince words, and he's brutally honest. It's great.
3: Yeah, he's definitely old school. He wants to get the albums <laughs> yeah. done. He wants you to get done out of the studio and gone.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. He's totally like that, dude. He's, You know, he's got his priorities right. His family's most important. Work is great, but family's most important.
3: Yeah, does he spend a lot of time on pre-production then, so that when you get into the mm-hmm. studio, you're, you're good to go?
0: Well, you know, Neil and John were writing basically this whole record with Arnell on a few songs, but... Yeah, they had them demoed up, and then they would send us the demos, and of course we would embellish what we, you know, what we heard, drumming or, or guitar wise, or whatever. But yeah, it was, they were pretty much they were pretty much done, and then we wrote a bunch of stuff for the second record in the studio oh, for um, for uh, Eclipse. Mm-hmm. But we did a lot of stuff, you know. John brought in Resonate, like, oh, that's a great song, you know, stuff like that.
3: Yeah, so t- yeah. tell me about the Generations record. That's probably the one you're on that I listen to the least because everybody is singing on it.
0: Yeah, dude, that that was an experiment. I think, was it Kevin Elson producing that? Yes. I think it was Kevin. And we just thought, you know what? Instead of being, you know, trying to be like Perry and doing all this stuff, let's just everybody have a song. Everybody just sings a song, you know? It'll be cool. And it was, you know, it was kind of a cool thing. But, uh, yeah, it, it's there's some beautiful parts on that record and there's some E parts on the record. You know what I mean? But um, I'm still proud of it. It's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, so I just want to finish up... Um this shocked me. Now I'm going to be honest. Trash metal yeah. band with you and Dan Spitz, and now you've got Rudy Sarzo in it. How did that all come yeah. about?
0: You know, Dan is a good friend of mine, and he's a Christian as well. And we were talking about doing a project together, and and we you know mentioned Rudy, and and it was a great idea. I just haven't heard some Dan. What we're going to do now, because I'm so darn busy with Revolution Saints, I've got to see this through before I can start another thing. So that's kind of what I'm doing. So it's kind of on the back burner right now, but we're definitely going to do something.
3: Yeah. Are you, a, are you a big trash metal fan yourself? Oh, dude.
0: Yeah. I mean, I grew up with Metallica and Anthrax and Slayer. That's what I grew up with, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those San Francisco metal bands, I mean, we play up and down the coast. That's what we did. Wild dogs would open up for Metallica. We open up for Megadeth. It was it was a trip, dude. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I grew up playing that. I think
3: I think that's what shocked me when I, your name was mentioned. It was like this is Dean from Journey and Bad English and like hard rock bands and ballads and stuff. And he's going to go out and play thrash metal.
0: Oh yeah, dude. You know that's what I grew up with. I wish like could Send you some. Put it this way: if you go out, get the GZR record, the first one, Plastic Planet. Yeah, Have you ever heard that record. Yeah, yeah. that's me.
2: Standing in line, spiral time I beat your bone, bone Call the beast and call the priest
0: that's me okay that's me playing so yep. that's when i was blazing with feet like fire <laughs> just quick as shit i was good back then, <laughs> then that- i got in journey and i lost a lot of it dude <laughs> i did i lost a lot of the thrash metal jobs like oh my gosh i guess i haven't used this bass drum for a long time
3: is that is that the album with burton c bell on it from fear factory yes all oh, yes. right yeah i do i have, i think i have it at home yeah that's a great album dude,
0: that's that is a wicked record. We, I had so much fun with Geezer doing that. It was a blast.
3: Brother. Yeah.
0: It was imagine- a blast. And I got to do whatever I wanted, which was really cool. Geezer, was like, do what you want? Like, awesome.
3: Yeah, playing with him in front, playing bass to him, like, wow. Oh, yeah, dude, he's
0: a butler. I mean, there's there's only a few bass players that I can say I've worked with
3: that, I mean,
0: I locked with. And Geezer is definitely one of those guys. He plays like a drummer. You know what I mean? He's very percussive when he hits the bass, so you feel it. And you can't help but be in his groove. It's awesome.
3: Yeah, how, how how easy was it to get used to his sense of humor?
0: Oh, dude, you know it's very dry, obviously, but it's funny. He's just a trip. I mean, I remember we were in the studio and we finished our first song. We got it done again in one take. And we come in to listen to it. Paul Northfield's at the at the console, and geezer has got his hands over his mouth. And we're like, "Oh God, he hates it." Oh shoot, he hates it. And and we look over and we go, "What are you thinking?" takes his hand slowly off his mouth and goes, it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it was Because was like, we were scared. We're like, oh God, what's he going to say? It sucks and it sounds like Batwano or something, you know? What I mean? But he loved it. So that was really cool.
3: Yeah, because um, he loves the really, really heavy stuff.
0: Oh, dude. It's sort of like, you know, I grew up with that stuff. I mean, you can't take the metal out of me. That's what I grew up with. That is my pedigree. There's nothing I can do about it. But also... I'm a huge fan of Steve Perry and Journey, so I can't help but have that influence as well. So,
3: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. When, I always ask the drummers this question, right? I'll finish up yeah. on this one, Dean, right? Okay, now, buddy. I've asked Mike Portnoy, what's the worst injury he's had on stage? And he said he broke his wrist. I asked... Wow. Playing while well, playing, right? Now, Jimmy DeAnda from... Uh, used to play with the Bullet Boys, and he's playing with Lynch yeah. Mob now. He said one of the worst injuries he had was he got his finger caught in the rim of the, of the drum kit between the stick and it split open. Oh, and he oh whacked, dude. And he whacked his eye off one of the, I think it was you turned and I hit off one of the cymbals and he thought he was blind. What's the worst oh, injury you've had?
0: Oh, gosh. You know what? For me, Bro, this is kind of a wimpy one. Well, we were playing in all these dry states, Journey was, and my hands were so ripped up because I never wore gloves or anything. I just went out there and played. You know, and the calluses pretty soon started turning into wicked sores, man. They were just open and and bloody and stuff. It was nasty. I remember shaking a fan's hand during a meet and greet. The next day, two of my fingers literally swelled up to the size of sausages. And I had to play that night with those. I had to put two metal braces on the fingers, get a drumstick, put it in my hand, and have my drum tech tape it around my hand. I can play that night, dude. It was a trip. But I got through it. I did. I did well.
3: Yeah, did you say to the guys, no drum solo tonight, lads?
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely, man. I'll do some interpretive dance, but that's as far as I'm telling.
3: <laughs> All right, Dean. Well, you thank an, do you, thank an, you man. Do you have any social media sites where anyone can get in touch with you?
0: You know, I got Twitter. That's the only thing I haven't. But I know Revolution Theater has a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. and Revolution James has a, a Twitter page so they're opening up all these things but I don't I just have a Twitter account and that's under um, Dean Casanova you know you find me
3: excellent well Dean it's been a pleasure talking to you
0: dude you too man have a great day and sorry about yesterday I'm glad you we could reconnect again
3: nah, these, these things happen it's called technology
0: <laughs> <That's so cute. laughs> you have a great day my alright
3: Dean take care of yourself ok take care man bye bye
0: okay. bye
1: Well, that one is the title track off the new revolution saints album light in the dark so big thanks to uh, dean castronova taking a little bit of time to talk to richie and get us all psyched up for the uh, second full-length rev saints release and again just a reminder if you want to get that box set only 500 copies of that being made you want to head up to the uh, frontier shop if you want to get one of your own So what do you say we slide into a little bit of the uh, music discovery part of this week's episode? Got about 40 minutes left, so why not cram it full of all kinds of brand new metal? And first out of the gate this week is the debut solo album from Bob Kulick. That's right guy's been in the music business for over 50 years finally getting around and making himself a solo album got 10 tracks and what he did is he has like five new tracks and then five tracks kind of digging out from in his career so that's where the skeletons in the closet come into play and he's got a whole bunch of different vocalists on here Robin McCauley Andrew Freeman uh, Dennis St James D Snyder so yeah Hey, a handful of his vocalists have uh, all been focused on metal guests. And then on bass, he's got Rudy Sarzo on there and uh, Bruce Kulik playing some bass, Bobby Ferrari, a bunch of different bass players, drummers. Uh, Vinny Appice, Frankie Banali, Eric Singer, uh, Scott Coogan, Bobby Rock. Wow, I mean, I'm looking through this list of all these different people between keyboardists and drummers and, and and vocalists and, uh, wow, whole bunch of uh, focused on metal guests. And, of course, Bob Kulik is handling all of the guitar duties himself, uh, except for one of them where he does a solo back and forth with his brother Bruce. But anyways, yep, Bob Kulick putting out a brand new one. First debut solo album came out on September fifteenth. It's called "Skeletons in the Closet." So from that one, I'm gonna play a little track called "Player." Let's move on to a band from Cleveland called Vatican. That's right. I don't know how this one passed me by, but back in March, these guys put out a great album of just pure old school metal. The uh, album is called "March of the Kings," and it came out on Pure Steel Records. Got. 10 songs, so you got that classic chunk of uh, of metal right there. You know, a classic metal album is usually 10 to 11 tracks. So there you go. All these songs are like three to four-minute songs as well. But these guys have been around for a little while. They uh, had a couple of demos back in the 80s. Then in uh, like about 2014, they had a, th- a compilation called Metal Morphosis. And then uh, along comes this just killer, killer album. And this is one of those ones where I'm going through and I'm like, what am I going to play for track of the week? These guys definitely are a band I think you guys should know about. But it was like, oh, how do I best do it? But uh, actually ended up with uh, Want to Play You track number eight. It's called a Die a Heart Attack. And I don't know. It's got that classic Iron Maiden gallop. It's got the just killer high vocals in there. It's got change ups. The whole like everything is all in there. So uh, let's hear a little bit of uh, Vatican. That's uh, Brian McNasty on vocals and bass. Vince Vatican on guitars and Vic Grabowski on drums. So once again, from March of the Kings, from uh, Cleveland Masters of Metal Vatican, this is Die a Heart Attack. There you go, a little Vatican for you. And if you want to find out more about those guys, probably the best thing to do is go over to Reverb Nation, ReverbNation.com slash Vatican 3 You can also, if you want, look them up on, uh, of course, on Facebook. So from some Cleveland metal, we're going to swing our way over back over to the UK with a band called Dirty Thrills. Now, anybody who's familiar with Dirty Thrills is going, What? But, uh, you know, Richie and I, we both like uh, Glenn Hughes a lot and a lot of the classic Deep Purple that Glenn and David did. And, you know, there's just it's it's a basis for a lot of other metal that's out there. And in this band, even though they're pretty much known as a British blues band, they've just I don't know. They put a brand new one out. It's called Heavy Living came out on September 15th. And a lot of these songs on here, they just scream glenn hughes and uh the track i'm about to play for you is probably the one on here that the most just embodies that classic glenn hughes soul metal hard rock feeling it's this one so uh from the album heavy living from the band dirty thrills this one's called go slow Okay, if you are digging that one and you want to find out more about Dirty Thrills, they have their website. It is dirty-thrills.com. So we swing back over to the states again to a band that was in the uh, third wave of San Francisco Bay thrash bands. I'm talking, of course, the band Hex. They released uh, their latest one, "Wrath of the Reaper," on. September 15th, so I think, I don't know, the 15th was a heck of a day for releases, right? For those of you unfamiliar with Hex, they've been around since uh, 83, 84, and yet this is only their fourth full length in all that time. They've done some splits, they've done a whole bunch of EPs, they've been on some compilations like uh, Live at Ruthie's and stuff, so they've been around for quite a while, but this is only... Their fourth full length. And uh, this one is definitely moving pretty fast. I actually checked over at the uh, the Napalm Records site. Only had two of these uh, CDs left in stock. Very happy to see that. So, of course, you know, no music discovery episode is going to be uh, totally complete without a little bit of uh, San Francisco Bay Thrash, so a great track to play for you off of Wrath of the Reaper. The uh, title for this one just reminds me of one of those crazy tracks that Nina would throw on a, a Sound of Thunder album. The name of the track is called Slave in Hell. So, from the new one from Hex, from the album Wrath of the Reaper, I give you Slave in Hell. And that is Slave in Hell from our friends in Hex. And if you go look them up, make sure you type in H-E-X-X. And if you want to get a hold of them real quick, you can go to Facebook.com slash official. Hex. So we have been all over the place on uh, this particular music discovery section. You know, we've been to the East Coast with Bob, and we've been West Coast with Hex, and over to the UK with Dirty Thrills, and then right smack in the middle of the U.S. with Vatican. But this time, we're going to swing over to Germany for uh, for Dirk Schneider. Now, I know you're saying, well, everyone knows about Dirk Schneider, but, you know, he did put out a brand new DVD and CD, it's called Back to the Roots, Accepted, and he's basically doing all of the classic Accept tracks, stuff that people have been bugging him to do for years. So he went ahead and he did it, and uh, taped a great show, put that on uh, DVD, and then there's also uh, a DVD, two CD set, a Blu-ray, two two CD set. There's even a uh, triple vinyl in a couple of different colors, and just a ton of tracks. You know, uh, disc one's got like 14 great Accept tracks. Disc two has got 13 great tracks including a cover he did of Frank Sinatra's My Way as a bonus track on the CD and the vinyl. So good stuff on this. Just kind of a way for uh, for Dirk Schneider to give a kind of a last thank you to his fans, because if you don't know it, he is, uh, he's planning to wrap that up at Vakken as well as another show that they have yet to announce. And uh, also as another heads up, you know, we're coming to the end of September. He's been doing a couple of dates, but... If uh, you saw any of the prior shows this year, he's promised that come October, he's changing the whole set list up. So a uh, ton of new dates there as well. And if you want to find out about where he's going and, uh, and all the dates, you can go to Udo-Online.com. But, uh, you know, I know it's kind of music discovery, but a little selfish thing here for me right now. Udo doing classic except as much as I like Mark Turnill, there's some songs that they are just pure Udo And of course, one of the ones is the classic of all classics, one of those roots of heavy metal songs. I'm, of course, talking about Fast as a Shark. All right, I think that uh, Dirk Schneider is a good way to uh, wrap up our music discovery for another week here on Focus on Metal. So I'm hoping that within those bands that we presented that you want to go out and maybe get a couple of those, or even all of them, add them to your uh, Mighty Metal Music collection. So before I forget, because I know I'm going to get emails about it, I just want to let you know that, yes, I know that the GZR song that I played earlier in the episode during the Dean Castronovo interview is not off of Plastic Planet. It is off of Black Science. But uh, Plastic Planet uh, was not available to me at the moment here in Studio E. It uh, still is back over in Studio D. And uh, I just kind of avoid going over there right now. So uh, I had Black Science. So I thought, hey, you know what? I can still demonstrate some of Dean's thrash metal leanings from his past with a little... Black science action there from GZR. So lots of good stuff on the way in the coming weeks. Like I said earlier, and the way this whole episode worked out, we've got some other great interviews already ready to go. They're just not really aligned well with release dates. I talked to uh, Andreas Johansson from Air Raid, and their new album drops very soon soon. We've uh, also talked with Chris Combs from Iris Divine. And we've got a great interview with uh, Jimmy DeAnda from Lynch Mob. And yes, Brotherhood is out, and it's a great album, by the way. That one there needs a little bit of audio work. Uh, Maybe maybe we'll get into it when we run that episode. But uh, safe to say that that one wasn't ready for this week, even though the album has come out. And also another big one for you to look forward to is that uh, Richie sat down with uh, Tommy Bolin from Warlock? That's right, because of course Doro is on tour now, celebrating the uh, anniversary of Triumph and Agony, playing all those great old tracks. And Richie was able to talk to Tommy, so that is definitely one worth listening out for. In the meantime, of course, you can go up to uh, FocusOnMetal.net, go to the episodes page. Lots of episodes there to choose from if you uh, want to do more than just this week's episode. And also, you know, you can always follow a ton of other podcasts and shows that are out there. Head over to EarPeeler.com and you'll find, you know, we'll find our buddies from Radioactive Metal there and uh, Shockwaves and Decibel Geek and, of course, Mars Attacks, Talking Metal. They're all over there at EarPeeler.com. You only have to go to one place to get all that good stuff earpeeler.com and nope they're not paying me to say that it's just a great idea that they've got and working really hard those guys to bring all that good stuff to you so I want to make sure that everybody knows about it but right now that's it there ain't no more stick a fork in it this puppy is done so for Richie myself and everybody else here at focus on metal have yourselves a great metal week and until we talk to you again next week remember focus on metal Else is insignificant.
3: not for one think that the problem was that the band was down. I think that the problem may have been that there was a stone monument on the stage that was in danger of being crushed by a dwarf.